Milner. Can he tee up someone in red? And he goes towards Lundgren. Hello and welcome back to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and I have with me today Orlando City Soccer Club season ticket holder Logan Stump. Hello, how's it going? This is a nice intro. (laughs) And I have uh, somebody that never walks alone. We have Mr. Matt Hartgrove. That's what you think. I'm usually (laughs) walking. Figuratively. Oh, okay. I was like, could I be like living 15 miles away from Orlando season city ticket holder, Logan stump. That'd be, that was my hopeful intro. <laughs> I'll have to, I'll have to work that in the next time. Uh, it's almost like those pictures where they're like, you know, uh, on Twitter where they say share a picture of somebody that's more famous than you or slightly more famous than you. Uh, for for that, for Matt's most famous claim to fame is living close to Orlando City <laughs> Soccer Club season ticket order. <laughs> Actually, if, if Logan's ever really tired after going to one of those games, I live only like ten minutes from the stadium, so he can always just he can always sleep on my couch or in my bed. It's up to that him. would actually be ideal. <laughs> there you go. I actually I actually drove past the stadium last Sunday when I was coming home from uh, I was watching the Bucks game the NFL NFC championship game and I missed my exit. And so the next exit down was the one that took me literally right next to camping world. And then I got like, it's, it's five, 10 minutes away from, from me. It's a beautiful stadium. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're, uh, I've been to a game there as recently as last year 2019 uh pre-covid all the good stuff um so uh congratulations logan uh, on that and i am jealous and if i was down there living there uh, i probably would have bought the seat next year uh for sure that would have been yeah that'd been awesome matt you can come i would have bought the seat in front of you you can still see i'm sure (laughs) I, there's no way I'd be. I, I wouldn't block any views. What about uh, then? Yeah, then you can take a selfie and you can get Logan in the background there. So there you go. That's perfect. Working it all out. Um, we are going to. We have a jam-packed show here as we're looking forward to a big weekend of soccer matches. Uh, but first. We're going to continue the format we've been doing, the you know, pretty much since the new year, uh, breaking these down by topics. So first, we're going to talk a little bit of transfers, and then we're going to uh, get into some of these discussions here. So uh, we we talked about on Monday, Logan and I did about uh, uh, Yedlin's situation at Newcastle. Sounds like they got his visa issue. Uh, sorted out but he is heading to turkey he's going to be joining galatasaray after the season ends uh to join them there uh i know he had some offers from mls clubs as well but it looks like you know galatasaray is going to give you a lot more money than uh mls clubs um he is a youth product that came through the seattle system uh, so some people thought he'd go back there but looks like he's off to turkey and uh, Aaron Long to Liverpool. This was a short one. I uh, wrote this down when this was first breaking, and now we have an update on this. 
but Redding was looking at Aaron Long, uh, the central, uh, the left center back uh, for the U.S. men's national team and the New York Red Bulls uh, for a short loan. And West Ham was actually uh, tied to him this past summer. And I think they were going to be buying him permanently and we're going to spend quite a few million on him but MLS was not willing to let him go uh, but he was linked to Liverpool this morning with Liverpool's injuries and the fact that a loan would make sense because maybe New York gets him back uh, if that was to work out he's expected to suit up for the men's national team on Sunday against Trinidad and Tobago but we just got right before we recorded pretty much there was uh, sky sports is saying that Liverpool are not interested. So earlier sources were ESPN sources. Now we're getting from sky saying they're not interested. And uh, yeah, that that's pretty much the end of the Aaron long saga to, to Liverpool. Um, and we had uh, going to West Ham. Jesse Lingard is heading there from, Manchester United on loan. So uh, that's what most of these are going to be, I think, during this COVID era here. It's going to be a lot of loans, like we saw with Gareth Bale, like we're seeing with Lingard, like we saw with uh, Jordan Morris. We're seeing rumors of with Aaron Long. Just tons of loans because people are not going to want to splash that, you know, $30, $40 million cash that they have to for some of these players. Uh, but as we approach the deadline, which is what Sunday or is it Monday? Uh, we have Monday. I think they may have moved it to Monday. You know, usually it used to be the end of the month, but now they kind of give extra days sometimes. Uh, Matt, how are you feeling about the prospects of Liverpool signing a center back? Well. <clears throat> I want to say I'm positive about it because I, I think it's a it's a necessity. Um, I've actually been thinking about in my spare time when I'm like in between calls at work or walking the dog, I, I kind of think about things they could do or reasonings as why they should do it. And honestly, it's the need itself is is I don't even know what you want to like. If you want to tier it into levels, it's the highest level possible. They need a center back, whether or not. Matt Tip's going to come back and during the year. I, I don't know, but right now Fabinho is hurt and no idea really what his injury is. Uh, then all you have left is Henderson, Mil- uh, Reese Williams, Nat Phillips. And then behind them, it's it's pretty much James Milner and Jeannie Wijnaldum, who are really tough players, but they're shorter than Henderson is. And Henderson's already pretty short for a center back. Um so, like, I, I want to say I'm pretty confident that they'll do it. I think the injuries that happened yesterday, because both Fabinho and Matip really got hurt yesterday, Fabinho pregame and uh, Matip during the game, I I just don't think as a team, if you have all these big summer plans that they apparently have, you need to be in the Champions League. You need to be finishing high up in the table to do that. To, to foresee those plans happening. And I think at this point, you just got to bite the bullet and realize you might have to spend a little bit of money here so that you at least make more than what you could be making without getting top four, without putting a run in the Champions League. Um, and there's a lot of, there's some players out there that they could sign for cheap. I mean, if they want to, Mustafi is sounding like possibly the most probable one. Um, I don't really know too much about him other than his arsenal. I know he's on arsenal. I know he doesn't start clearly, but he's a warm body. And right now you got to take what you can get at this point. So you can keep, you can put your midfielders back into the midfield. That's, it's as simple as that. If you, if you do that, you'll end up top two or three. Um, If you don't sign a center back, I think you struggle for fifth and sixth and you probably don't get past Leipzig. Uh, Mustafi has had three appearances this season, but, and only 15 last season, but before that, you know, uh, he joined in 2016, he had in the 20s and 30s, and has 102 total for Arsenal in the Premier League. Um, so, I, I think he can do it. When we look at clean sheets, does it have the stats on here? It doesn't. Um, dang it. 
I was looking for the stats on how many clean sheets he's had. It's really uh, just a matter of having a, a senior-level center back because, in a sense, if you get him in, say he's the only one. Fabinho, I don't think, is out for I, – I, I'm going to assume he's only out for maybe a week or two. I would say Man City's game is when I would expect him back because after West Ham, it's Brighton at home. <clears throat> um, you know, I if you get him in, Fabinho, for the most part, tends to stay healthy. And Nat Phillips looked – competent enough to play a role and that's that's three people at center back that it's not obviously ever going to be as good as you want it to be but if if you have those three you can mix and match to and and rotate and you know if you really want to risk it you could you could even have a game where you put Fabinho back at uh, at the six or you know it's it's just a matter of having somebody who's a senior level center back so that you give yourself an opportunity because I think if you get to a point where more players get hurt and with overuse, that's a possibility. You're it's, it's just a, it's such a poor look. It makes the, the owners look so bad if they don't, you know, the owners want Liverpool to build into something and they want them. The owners are kind of more so in a, a business owner where they want to make a profit off Liverpool. Cause I think they're actually looking to sell them. Um, Cause they're like, a, they're just more of like a, business and they don't really pertain too much to the success they want to try to build on it you got to keep the team you know somewhat competitive and to do that you just gotta you really it's a couple million really like i know that's that's a lot to us but like to billionaire owners that's nothing like they they can shell that out if it means making 50 million instead of 20 million it's such a big difference and they just have they have to do it So I guess I'll have to cancel my custom Aaron Long Liverpool jersey that I just ordered uh, before it ships. Uh, (laughs) Just kidding. I wouldn't even know what number to put on the back of that. Uh, Anyway, let's move on here from transfer news. We do have uh, what I put as one of the headlining stories, but I'm a little biased here. Uh, Tuchel getting his first point as Chelsea manager as he leads Chelsea to a draw with Wolverhampton uh, that was nil nil on Wednesday uh, of course this was after only having one training session with the squad 24 hours before game time he rested Pulisic and Mount who both played like nine out of the last 10 games or something and uh, had Calum uh, Hudson-Odoi at the wing back on the right hand side uh, let me just say, it was very nice to see Pulisic and Tuchel jo- smiling and joking around at halftime. It seems like Pulisic is happy to have uh, his dad back uh, coaching the team. Um, and apparently the whole reason what they were joking about is Tuchel was trying to get a hold of Azpilicueta, and he kept saying Azpi's name wrong. He was saying Azpli or something, so Pulisic went over there and said it's Azpi. Uh, but, you know, I, one thing that was interesting... I saw a lot of people saying how boring they looked or whatever, but really this was a, I thought, much better. The passing was better. Uh, They were getting players involved better. Havertz was playing his preferred position in the central attacking mid. And uh, the the only thing was the finishing wasn't there. So I actually would expect uh, Werner to come in for Giroud on Sunday against Burnley. But um, what do you think, Logan? Uh, Is it a little too... uh, too much anti-Tuchel in the press over in England? God, yes. <laughs> I can't stand it. Uh, and then uh, that guy commented on our Instagram post, so I get to see some of it and read some of the, just the, I don't know, the visceral that people went at Tuchel for the one match that he got a point from Wolves, and they were talking about, I mean, uh, there was retweets about, like, you can't beat Wolves who are basically like Sheffield when they don't have Jimenez. And it's like, okay, that's a little dramatic. I mean, their defense is pretty good. Um, The amount of possession Chelsea had, the amount of shots that they had, uh, Wolves, I don't think, put a shot on goal, um, really. And to be honest, I mean, I think that it was a pretty dominant performance. The goals just didn't come from Chelsea. Um, which I think was the difference. And it's it's one match. You can't just take one match and go, yep, this is what it's going to be like the rest of the time that he's here. He's still trying to figure out players. Um, you know, I don't think you're going to start seeing them play well towards the end until towards the end of the year. I mean, the way that he wants them to play. 
Um, just look at the success he had at PSG, and that's you know that's something that you gotta look forward to uh, as he moves his way, you know, through the Premier League and figuring out the Premier League is a whole different monster too. So uh, I hate I I can't stand English tabloids and, and different things like that. I, I I think they're a little bit dramatic, and, and they live for that dramatic um, sense. It, whereas in America, I think it's much more like give him time, give him time. Well, what frustrates me about it is that they say give Frank time when he's had a year and a half, and then Tuchel has one game and are like, well, they they they're not looking good. They were putting me to sleep or whatever, and it's like, okay, well, where was this when we were getting you know the Leicester game, Chelsea versus Leicester when Frank was uh, manager, the last league game he did. That was not a very good match at all. At least we, you know, could make passes. You know, a lot of what we saw under Frank recently was a lot of back passes to the center halves, to the, uh, uh, you know, wing, to the to the left backs, to the right backs, you know. And nobody was making those runs. And, uh, you know, from what we saw from the training session under Tuchel when they posted it, it was a lot of the movement, so it was a lot of the triangular type shape for the passes that you see on, you know, Pep Institute and Klopp kind of Institute at times. That I felt like uh, we saw a glimpse of that with Wolves, but obviously it was only a day before. Uh, we'll see how they shake out on Sunday against uh, Burnley, who's been on form, and that's my segue here. Burnley took down Aston Villa three to two. And now they're only one point behind Wolves and Palace, and they actually have a game in hand. And they uh, really need this one, don't they, Matt? Or else they will, uh, you know, to get them further away from that relegation battle at the bottom. Yeah, I think I think Burnley fans should should really thank Liverpool fans for helping them find their uh, find their <laughs> uh, their groove. Maybe um, I. So I, I, I mean, before this year, I didn't keep up too much with like a lot of teams. Um, but what's funny is that one of the consistent statements on my Twitter about Burnley is that they don't play great, a, a great style of football, which I, I personally don't think they do either. It's, it's kind of the same sit back and hope for a mistake, which worked against Liverpool when they couldn't score. Um, I didn't actually, I. I can't remember why I wasn't watching this game, but I did not. I did not see. It must have been on during a different game. Okay, it was the Chelsea Wolves. I was watching the Chelsea yeah. Wolves game, so that's why. Um, so I didn't really get to see a whole lot of what happened with the game, but you know they they're doing the exact same thing they recently seem to always do. Is yeah, they struggle, but then they they get some results that kind of push them back up the table a little bit, and then all of a sudden it's the end of the year, and they're sitting eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, and you're like, how did they do that? And it's they just they manage it somehow. They run these results here, and Villa have looked poor recently. They have they haven't exactly looked super impressive. I know Man City is looking amazing, so that's not a fault of their own, but I believe Villa have actually. Um, their form is actually really poor, I believe. One win in the last five, five two, draws, two losses. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's great for Burnley. And obviously, this game against Chelsea could be huge. You know, if, if they go out there and they, they steal, I don't personally I'm think they're going to I don't think they're <laughs> going to win it. I actually, I, I don't, I think Tuchel is a better manager for Chelsea in terms of success now over Lampard, who might have been more of a build upon success type of guy, kind of grow. Um, and I, I just don't think Burnley can go to Chelsea early morning game. They, I, it would take a lot, I think, for that game to end in a draw. I don't think Chelsea are at risk of losing it. Um, but, I mean, if they take a point off of it, I, you really have to pretty much, I don't want to say put them out of relegation battle, but they're they're really close to it right now. I mean, they're on 19 with Fulham, nine points above. I mean, they're they're better than the three teams in relegation. I would say they're better than Brighton. I, I I don't think they have a lot to worry about the rest of the year. Yeah, and we do have Newcastle sinking down further too. So you know, I think they're at this point better than Newcastle as well. Uh, for Aston Villa, uh, you know, they really needed this win to keep pace. Uh, you know, they're like we just mentioned out of their last five, only one win. They have two 
games in hand still from some of the top teams. But Logan, can they still make top four? Yeah, it's not looking good. Like I, I think once you get into February um, and you're still starting to scuffle a little bit, you, you start to lose ground and you start to lose games. They've got a pretty tough February, too. They've got to go against West Ham. They've got Arsenal. Uh, they've got Leicester. And they also have Leeds, who plays pretty well. And I think that Villa, I think the Leeds-Villa game would be the tightest one out of those because I think Arsenal's right now a better team. I think that West Ham's a better team right now and definitely Leicester, so. It's not an easy road for for Villa. And then once you get out of that month, you know, it it really starts to dwindle down to uh, just, you know, 10, 11 matches, I think it is. But, yeah, it doesn't look good for them. And and the way that they're playing, their their form just doesn't seem to be there. They can't defend as well as they were. Um, To give up three to Burnley uh, is just not good. They were up 2-1, too. It was like a stretch of like three minutes or something that the the two goals were scored late because it was – one hell of a comeback for them, but yeah, I, I think that Villa. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mark them in as a top four team. I think that they're definitely going to challenge for Europe, and I think it'd be cool. But again, I think they'll they'll struggle uh, now. I think I think they've played a little bit above expectations. What I will say though about Villa, uh, just to take uh, kind of the other point of view here, they still have the two games in hand. If they win those, they would be above West Ham on goal differential. So while we're about to applaud West Ham here in a minute. Just want to keep that in perspective. But Villa needs those games in hand, and they need to start winning those and get back uh, on form. West Ham, let's move over to them, uh, is the highest London team in the table. That's right, higher than Spurs, higher than Chelsea, higher than Arsenal, and you know, well higher than Fulham. Uh, and Palace, uh, right? Isn't Palace over there? Where's Palace Station that? Yeah, Palace is in. Yeah, I think London, it's in right? London. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, they're in w- fifth place after Liverpool just leaped over them in the fourth. They were in the top four before Liverpool beat Spurs. Uh, it's good to see more of these historic sides that are not usually part of the big six up here. Uh, is, is my opinion. You know, teams like I would. Logan, you and I were just talking about that Aston Villa team when I was talking about 2008-2009 Aston Villa and how this team of Aston Villa reminded me of it. But West Ham, you know, is another one of those historic clubs, usually up in the Premier League, but has fallen into the championship, come back up before. And to see them up in the top just fills me with, you know, the Premier League is really changing, right? It is changing. We're getting lots of of um turnover here now of course it might shake out where they end up probably seventh or eighth anyway but to see that this late in the season as we enter february a top four of city united leicester liverpool then with west ham right behind them and then everton playing so well villa playing well if they play their games in hand well is just uh nothing short of amazing would you agree with that logan yeah, and I, I I love David Moyes. I, he's just so he's just so happy. And they actually, you know what's interesting? They talked about Klopp doing the same thing. They said that when Moyes tends to get down, he it, it brings the team down. It looks like West Ham players like Antonio. Um, they really look to him to kind of ride the ship. But when it's going south, he gets very you know animated. He gets very you know in his thoughts. Um, and they said they made the same comparison to Klopp, where Klopp, it seems like when Klopp turned Liverpool around the other day, that it was more about Klopp deciding that, you know, he, he's much better with his players when he's in their face, hugging up on them, dapping them up when they score, and just being more animated. And I think it's the same thing with West Ham. And West Ham, they're one of those teams, as most of these teams are, they're riding that high of playing well this year. Uh, and that's pretty big. I mean, can Competing against big teams like this who have, you know, two or three times the budget that they do, that they can, you know, buy players. And I know that the ownership has gotten pretty bad lash at their, you know, at the expense of West Ham. But, you know, I think that they really are starting to play well. And I think that they've got a team that when you look at it, they, they've got guys that can, you know, score the ball. They've got guys that can create space. Um, Socek has gone absolutely bonkers nuts scoring. Um, I think he doubled his scoring. From last year, I think he's up at seven goals now, where he was at three 
Um, and Fornals has played well. Uh, Bowen's played well. Um, just a, a slew of guys that just seem to be turning it on right at the right time. And I'm excited to see if they can end up in that top six or seven, because I think they can at this point. All right. Um, Matt, got a question for you here. Manchester United, are they frauds? They give, have given up four goals to Sheffield, which is one-third of how many goals Sheffield has actually scored on this season. Um, but what do you think here? Uh, most people I've seen on Twitter say a real title contender wins this game, but I say a lot of title contenders have lost this game this season. So what are your thoughts here on Manchester United? Uh uh, it's I. I don't think I. I don't want to say they're not because then they're gonna go on like some huge run, and that that worries. <laughs> yeah. Me. Um. And then we'll play it back. Uh. <laughs> the the I guess like it, it all kind of comes down to the way they they play games because it, it's it is very hard to I think peg them as one or the other when when you watch them play, it's always a, it, it's, you know, it's the last second, you know, within the last 10 minutes, getting a goal that takes the lead or, you know, the constant having to come back. That it, that's not the healthiest way to go about your season. Um, and I, it worked for Liverpool to an extent last year, because they, they didn't really fall behind. It was more so, taking the lead, giving up a goal, and then getting a late goal. Whereas United is very give up a goal and then tie it and then take the lead. And I think that's a different level of taxing on that team. And I, they don't seem to be like a team that can handle it if, you know, Bruno isn't in. If Bruno's not in, I, they're, not, they're just not that impressive. And even, again, in the FA Cup game against Liverpool, you know, it they didn't really, they weren't overly impressive. They beat a 19 year old center back who wasn't even wanted by the six, six tier team that he was on loan with last year. They didn't want him back. Um, and you know, that's kind of how they scored their goals was, was beating him. And then Bruno scored the free kick at the end, but they have a lot of names, but I'm not, I'm watching them and it's just not impressive. And sometimes you even saw it, that second goal they gave up. That was one of the worst defending, uh, some of the worst defense I yeah. think I've ever watched. Even I was sitting there. I actually looked away from it because I was like, oh, they're going to clear it. And then all of a sudden, Sheffield has a ball. Then I, I, they kick it again. And I'm like, oh, okay, United's going to definitely kick this out. And then they didn't. And then all of a sudden, they scored. And I was like, I cannot believe anyone let that happen. The guy was just standing there. Um, and so I, the way they play games, yeah, they, they do get the results. But... When you play that way, I, you're. It's not. I wouldn't even say it's, it's skill. I mean, your luck eventually runs out. And losing to a team like Sheffield at home, I don't think is. I don't want to say that that is going to cause you to not be a contender. I think it's just, it was something that was building up to eventually occur, which is why they aren't contenders. I think it, it's just everything that's happened. This type of game was bound to be occurring soon. And it's further proof that, you know, in, in terms of teams, I, I don't I really don't think they are better than Liverpool. Yeah, they caught Liverpool at a poor time, but I don't think they don't scare me. Like when they were playing, I was never concerned, really, because they, they, they just don't feel threatening, especially if Bruno's not having a good game. Um, they're not better than City. I, I'm going to expect City to, to really beat up on them in the next Manchester Derby. They just they don't look better than third or fourth, which in a season like this, are you that great? Like, I, I don't know. It, it's it's hard to say. They're, but they're not contenders. I don't I don't I don't think they are. Before I get to you, Logan, I have a question for you. But before I do, I just want to point out, you know, like when people say that title contenders uh, win that match, and I said that you know this year we've had a lot of instances of that not being the case. You know, if we look back at like I'm looking at Liverpool's, you know, drew with West Brom, drew with Fulham. You know, those are not wins. Drew with uh, Newcastle, right? Manchester City, drew with West Brom uh, just last month. Leicester has, you know, recently 
withdrew with Palace. Um, they lost to Fulham in November. When we look at Tottenham, you know, they drew against um, Fulham, who's in the bottom. And then when we look at West Ham, you know, they lost to Newcastle in September. They've, uh, you know, they've... uh, My my point being here is, and they drew with Crystal Palace in December. So, and and drew with Brighton. You know, like, I feel like if it was a normal year, I would probably agree with all the pundits saying that because that's usually the case. But, uh, you know, th- this year has been so topsy-turvy, I can't really fault United for losing to a Burnley, as, I mean, a Sheffield, as hysterical as it was. And I get that they're bottom of the league compared to, and historically bad so far, compared to some of these other teams I mentioned. But just making the case there. Um Logan, do you think this sends them into another spiral of bad form, or can they bounce back against the informed juggernaut that is Arsenal Football Club? Yeah, so I just had this discussion with the kid that I teach. Um, I said that this is one of those games that uh, United tend to have those those games that send them into a weird tailspin. Um, and I, I do think that this could be one of those games. I, I do think that um, you might look back at this Sheffield game and it was kind of a trap game um, just because they come off of a, a game against Liverpool in the FA Cup and then they, they beat Fulham. And so they think, OK, well, we beat Fulham. We can we, we should be able to go in here and handle business and then we can look ahead to Arsenal. And it's just one of those games that sets up typically as, as a game that could just be a trap. However, that being said, if they lose to Arsenal, then I do believe they've started their tailspin because i they've got a couple of games that are, are tough stretch southampton and then everton west ham again the fa cup um so again there's not really any way out after that to get really you know back in form should they drop another one to arsenal it's just going to get worse um so i think that you know when you look at united i think that they do have and you worry because of the beginning of the year uh, you worry about you know if they do drop games, they do tend to get into these weird slumps um, where they start to question Ole Gunnar and Solskjaer, and then they also start to question Pogba. Um, and Pogba is one of those players, I think, that plays with his emotions rather than his talent. Um, so I do think that it, it can be a tailspin. I, if they lose against Arsenal, I do believe that they, they could very well end up dropping two or three of the next um, in the league. But again, I think Time will tell. I do think that they are, to be honest, I think they're one of the only ones that are title contenders still. Um, I'm not ready to write them off yet, but I do think that um, they, they have the talent. It's just a matter of if this causes all sorts of doubt to creep into their heads again. All right. So we do have some news here as well. Premier League concussion subs. They're doing a trial for IFAB and FIFA. Players will be allowed to be taken off the pitch if they have suffered a suspected concussion. The substitution will not count towards one of the three substitutes normally allowed in a game. During the trial, the two teams in a game will have two permanent concussion substitutes per game, and if a change is made, the opposing team will also be allowed to make a substitution at the same time. Uh... So that's going to take effect, I believe they said February 6th. So we're going to be seeing that really uh, shortly. I'm not sure how many times we'll see it because you can never really project when you're going to get one of these knocks on the head that have to be removed. But I think ultimately good for the game because concussions are a problem in almost every sport. And being able to make substitutes for it uh, I think is a good idea that, uh, you know, that's more than just the three subs, especially if you've already used all three of yours. You're kind of then in a... It, you shouldn't be punished for using your substitutes and then your player going down with a concussion. Uh, you know, maybe you didn't even cause the tackle. I feel like that was always pretty rough. So good to see them implementing that is any of you have any thoughts on this new uh rule here 
I'm surprised it took them this long. <laughs> with all the with all the research done on head injuries uh, in every sport, especially because the United States, I mean, I feel like we are like the leading um, country in concussions, obviously because of American football. But we we have so much research done on it now that it it is weird to see other countries just starting to get on board now because their sports are not as heavy contact to the head. But soccer is really confusing to me because they're bouncing balls off their head and. You know, it's a pretty physical sport, and they're, you know, headbutting each other. Um, yeah, I'm surprised that it took this long, but I'm glad it's in place now. Uh, Matt, any thoughts on it before we move on to the next topic? Uh, I, I think it's a good rule. I think it's I think it's good that they're testing it. Um, it Because, I, I, I mean, I agree with what you guys said regarding it. and it, it is a situation where, one, they need to take it more seriously, and two it would be, I think, bad to punish a team in that sense where, you know, you sub a player and then all of a sudden a concussion happens. Like, they're, they're, they, it's nice to see the rule starting to get implemented. I'm just kind of intrigued to watch it, really. All right. Our next topic here is that another new rule here. They are changing how they're implementing the offside rule when it comes to that Aston Villa Manchester City goal that we didn't get to last uh, last episode. Um, this is where you know the uh, the Manchester City player Rodri was was very offside. Mings plays it off of his chest, and then Rodri, you know, uh, tackled or, or took the ball, uh, however you want to see it, I guess, and. It was not caught offside because of the change of phase of play with Mings touching the ball. And now they're going to apply it as if that would be offsides. I disagree with this. I understand what they're trying to say. I I don't like that it was put in midway through the season. I always feel like rule changes should kind of come at the beginning of a season. Um Two, uh, I mean, I, I understand when people say it's a very obscure rule, I guess. But, I I mean, as somebody that's watched the sport a while, I knew this rule. I knew this interpretation that, you know, you can be offsides, but as soon as a defender uh, touches it, and then if you get the ball, you can be um, onside because the change of phase of play. But the fact that Mings doesn't know this, is just crazy to me because like I said, I I know the rule and I know not every fan may know the rule, but if you're a player, I feel like you would know it. And even if you don't know it, I feel like somebody has to communicate to him to let him know that he's there because if not, it's almost okay. The reason why I say this is because if not, if I don't tell like Logan, let's say Matt's, you know, running you down, right? You're, you're looking at the ball and I'm going to, I'm going to have to scream and tell you Matt is coming for you. And the reason why, even if Matt, if I think Matt's offside is because then I'm not playing to the final whistle, right? Like it's like in the game that we just saw here uh, with Manchester city, where the flag went up when it wasn't supposed to technically. And a lot of the players for, was it West Brom just stopped, stopped, just stopped. Play till the ref whistles, not when the flag goes up. It, or even if the flag doesn't go up. Sometimes you'll see people standing around raising their hands like, he's offside. Just play. So, like, in that case, somebody should be telling Mings, hey, they're, uh, you know, like, watch behind you. And I hear this communication all the time when I sit close, you know, to, to the field. Because, um, and, and you can sometimes hear it when, you know, underneath of if they don't play the crowd music, you know, you'll hear the communication. People should be communicating, you know, watch behind you. Somebody's coming up. Get rid of it. Boot it. Something. And you know what? If he's offside, then when he scores, they won't, uh, you know, if, if he scores, you're thinking that, okay, they'll call it back, whatever. But you got to make sure that you're not even giving them that chance, especially with the way we see VAR implement some of this stuff as well. I wouldn't I wouldn't risk it. I'd boot that thing out of there, and I would hopefully have somebody telling me that somebody's coming up on my rear here. Um, so 
let me ask each of you. I'm going to go with Matt here first. What do you think of this? And is it a good idea to change it now? No. Um, I actually have the same. I, I have the same opinion of you with with changing rules mid season because one, it just looks bad. Because <laughs> now <laughs> it does. It just imagine being a Villa fan. That's like, wait a second. Now if we do this, it's it's going to be called the opposite way. I, I mean, that would really bother me. And I think it, it most likely will bother most people to the extent of the actual rule. I mean, the play itself, I think it, it's, I think it's, it's a situation where it's hard to judge that play because I don't think he had the exact control that I, I think they want them to have. And when they have the rule book. So I do think, changing it to an i think changing it is the correct if we want to go by rules it's the correct thing to do because i do believe in that situation it it's more offsides than it not being offsides i I do think most of the time you would see it get called offsides just because he doesn't really have i think of really a any type of control where you can go he definitely has control of the ball but I think at this point to come out and say it is just bad. I, I it just makes I think it makes the refs look bad. It makes uh, it makes um, why can't I think of the association? BFA, BFA. It makes them look bad, and it just make it it makes fans of especially Villa kind of go, okay, well we kind of got screwed over. Then how is that fair? And I, I think that's something you could have waited until the end of the season, and we would have been done. Especially one, my thoughts on this is, number one, if you're a Villa fan, your manager got a red card for for pretty much protesting this. I mean, he didn't get the red card for protesting. He got it for, you know, talking crap, I guess. But it was because of the goal. Two, like you said now, um, it, it looks bad. It, you're, it's almost like... Like like we've said with the uh, Virgil Van Dyke thing, when when they concede that there should have been, I, I hate when any sport does this. Oh, we got that wrong. Okay, so what are you going to do about it, right? Oh, we can't do anything about it because the ref made the decision on that day. So it's like, then why are you even admitting it's wrong? Just just why did we have to have an emergency meeting about this? Just change it next season, and because everybody saw this happen you know players would be like, I'm not letting that happen again, and they would probably play to the rule as it stands for the rest of the season. Logan, uh, what's your thoughts here on this rule and changing it uh, now? Because this ultimately benefited your club. Yeah, I mean, when I really initially saw it and, and when you had sent the rule over, um, like, it, it, when you look at it, Rodri doesn't, he doesn't have any impact on him initially when he touches the ball. And it was Mings who decided to bring it down into his control. In, in both ways, he could have cleared it. In another way, you can – I mean, Rodri's back there, and he knew he was back there. So, you know, the, the fact that he brought it down underneath control um, – because Rodri's, like – I mean, he's all the way almost to the keeper by the time that that ball's headed by Diaz, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. And it – I mean, if you didn't know he was back there – so the whole thing, I, I think that you know, changing the rule now makes it look like I'm just trying to cover up the mistakes that we, like this would be like covering up the different far issues and like going in and making sure that the the new rule says that even if the ref you know waves his flag, you should still play through it as the whistle. I mean, just stuff like that. Where if they were to change the rules, um, just midway through the season, you, you look bad um, because it, it's in correction of the, cause everybody knows which correction it is. Like, it's like, okay, so you're talking about the man city Villa, uh, mistake that was made. Um, so it, you know, I, I think it's really tough when you, when you make these rule changes, just because again, I, you know, players aren't going to know the rules. Uh, they're now they're changing the rules. So the ones that didn't know the rule might not know the rule now. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's such a mess. I, I wish they would wait till the end of the year. I mean, that's what all the other, sports do they wait till the end of the year before they have you know they have those meetings with the the general management and they all and it's decide not like and this is, it's not like this is something that happens every game where you're like this is an emergency we got to get this fixed right now you know right. like, so it's, it's not like something like that you see often because the reason why this was so confusing for people is because it wasn't seen often so i just think it's weird that that was something that needed to be fixed 
uh, right now. Let's get to our last storyline before we get to a brief recap of the week and, uh, and then a preview of next week. Liverpool back on the score sheet. I think it was something like seven hours without an EPL goal. Matt, uh, how are you feeling about the offense? Long, now? long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I feel obviously I feel good. I think, I think it's a situation where what they did in the game is something they need to stick with if they have these injuries. And Thiago is the key there. He needs to be further forward, just like he was this game. Um, and they, they looked threatening the entire game. And I actually read an article today uh, by a guy who does a lot of tactical analysis of Liverpool. And he said, basically, throughout the game, based off of the player maps, they pretty much, Firmino and, and Thiago played like side by side almost, he said, based off of where they were. And that just opened up everything compared to the other games Thiago played where he's having to look after the two center backs and make sure he stays deeper, which kind of really restricts his playmaking ability. So now that they, they switched him and Wijnaldum, you, and Wijnaldum is really strong on the ball. Like He can play the six. I think you have to stick with it. And I, I think West Ham will be a big game because – if they go into West Ham and look this exact same way, I'll feel like it, it really is back to normal. I, I'm a little worried just because they seem to have Tottenham's number. So like, part of me was actually feeling kind of confident about the game because I was like, I don't feel like Klopp ever loses to Tottenham. <laughs> and apparently he like never loses to Mourinho either. He's got like, he's like 10 and one against Mourinho. Like it's crazy. Um, so I, I would like to see him obviously do it again, but it, it felt good. It, it was weird seeing a goal. I didn't know. I was I was missing what it was like to celebrate something fun. Logan, any thoughts here on this Spurs-Liverpool match before we move on? Yeah, it's just a bad matchup for Tottenham. I knew that going in. It's <laughs> Liverpool, I feel like it's just a nightmare of a matchup for Tottenham just because I – and especially when Kane goes down, they're not going to score then – um, or, you know, at the volume that they do. And I think that the front three would give Tottenham all sorts of headaches, even though their defense had played pretty well. They, I think the pace up front, and I think the way that um, that Mane played, just so physical and scrappy, you, you can't stop that. And then Salah played a lot better. So I think it was just a nightmare. I thought, actually, I thought they looked more threatening with Kane off off the pitch. I don't, I maybe yeah, I, I could see that, yeah. I thought they looked a little bit more. Now, I was also on Tottenham's Reddit page, the Tottenham fans' Reddit page, and there was a lot of, this is why Mourinho plays the way he does with this team, because he tried to open it up, and you, you saw it. He tried to open it up, and Liverpool created chance after chance. And so that's why he's generally keeping the players as far back as possible and trying to win on the counter. And he attempted something that was different, and it just came right back into his face because they, they made that was the liver that was pretty much what you expect the Liverpool of old just run riot, get tons of chances, score three or four goals, and and kind of run the team out of their own building. And I will say though, you know, without VAR, this thing probably looks a little different because you know three minutes in or whatever, Sun scored. Very tight offside call. He was offside, but, uh, you know, what, two years ago? This is starts Liverpool out of 1-0 uh, with Tottenham leading. That could change the perplexion of the whole match at that point. But it was caught off. We had, what, two goals caught off? Uh, we had a, a handball on uh, Liverpool as well that happened way yeah. before the goal, which I think most people agree should have just let the goal stand. Uh, but I mean, I actually kind of agree that it probably shouldn't. <laughs> I thought that really? was actually one of the... I think it's because it just seemed... I don't think it was purpose, on purpose, but it didn't seem incidental either. Like, I know he didn't do it on purpose, but when I watched the replay, I was like, they're going to call it back. I would be more shocked. Yeah, I mean, his arm kind of moves a bit, almost as if he's t- trying to direct it. So I can kind of see what they're saying, but... Uh, yeah, for me, uh, I'm not sure if I call that back 
Logan, you kept saying you predicted two one. I have it written down here. You predicted three one. So congratulations. Did I really? Holy yeah, you crap. predicted this one. That it was two one. Oh, you good. predicted this one right. Oh, actually, my God. I'm a mind reader. I knew it. <laughs> I saw that yesterday no when I was typing my notes up, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Logan actually got that right. Um, so let's go over the games real quick. But first, let's take a quick break and hear this special promo of the Stateside Soccer Show. The Stateside Soccer Show. Talking the beautiful game in the land of the free. Breaking down Major League Soccer, U.S. Men's National Team, and more with Logan and Jordan. And now let's get back to our show. Tuesday, we had Crystal Palace versus West Ham, which we alluded to a bit earlier here. Uh, Zaha scored three minutes in. Then Socek scored twice in the ninth and 25th minute. Then Dawson, this is for you, Logan, Dawson's Greek here, puts one away in the 65th minute. And then Batshuayi. Uh, former Chelsea, or is he on loan? I don't even remember anymore. He's been around. Uh, scores in the 90 plus seventh minute for Crystal Palace to make it 3 2. Uh, also on Tuesday, we had Newcastle Leeds, which Leeds won 2 to 1. This was a, I really enjoyed watching this one. Um, none of us got this one right. Logan, you predicted 2 0. I predicted 3 1. It met us in the middle at 2 1. Rafina scoring 17 minutes in. Then Miguel Almiron, former Atlanta United uh, player, uh, scores for Newcastle in the 57th minute. In the 61st minute, former New York City FC player Jack Harrison scores for Leeds uh, to give them the win. Southampton won Arsenal 3, so Arsenal get their revenge from the FA Cup. Stuart Armstrong scored three minutes in for Southampton. Eight minutes in, Pepe scores. 39 minutes in, Saka scores. And Lacazette, who continues scoring goals for Arsenal recently, has a goal in the 72nd minute. Then we got the most boring game of them all, Manchester City 5, West Brom 0. Uh, he had Gundahan scoring in the 6th minute, 20th minute, Cancelo. Uh... 30th minute, Gundahan again. 45th plus two, um, uh, Mares scores. And then the 57th minute, Raheem Sterling scores. Wednesday, we had the Burnley versus Villa match, which finished 3-2 to Burnley. Ali Watkins continues his goal-scoring form there. He's got two, I think, in his last two for Villa. Uh, then Ben Mee scored for Burnley. Then Jack Grealish for Villa. And then in the 76th minute, Dwight McNeil scored for Burnley, and Chris Wood, three minutes later, gave Burnley the lead. Chelsea nil, Wolves nil. We talked a little bit about that. Not much else to say, scoreline-wise. Uh, Brighton nil, Fulham nil. Again, not much to say there. Everton won, Leicester won. This was another fun match on Wednesday. This was at 3.15. Uh, we got this wrong, Logan. You had 2-1. I had 2-0 to Leicester. But uh, James scores 30 minutes in, a great goal. And then Tielemans scored another good goal as well for Leicester in the 67th minute. Leicester dominated that second they half. They did. Oh, man, yeah. Le- Leicester should have won that match. <laughs> I, but Everton, I, I, I'm shocked, to their too. Credit, that second half, it just felt like they had shot after shot. I don't even remember Everton having the ball. Yeah, what was the stats here? Let me check that out. Let me let me check the stats for that match actually, because that was uh, that was a pretty crazy one. Um, stats: sixty-five percent of the possession to Leicester, thirty-five percent to Everton. Nineteen shots to eight shots. So there you go. Uh, shots on goal: six for Leicester to f- to two for Everton. Then. At the same time of that, uh, I, fl- I flipped it over to... I think I was watching Manchester United on my phone, and I had the other one on the TV, because then I start realizing that Sheffield was winning this game. <laughs> so Sheffield won 2-1. We talked about it. Brian scored for Sheffield in the 23rd minute. Harry Maguire scored in the 64th for United. And in the 74th minute, Burke scored his first Premier League goal for Sheffield to make it 2-1. And then Thursday... We had 
Tottenham-Liverpool at 3 p.m. We already said that Logan predicted that right. I had a 1-1 draw. Uh, 45th plus four minutes, Firmino scores for Liverpool. Then in the 47th minute, we had Trent Alexander-Arnold. And then Hoiberg scoring for Spurs in the 49th. And then in the 65th, Sadio Mane. Taking us to the current standings here, the current table. I already mentioned the top five, but I'll say it again. City with 41 points. United with 40. Leicester with 39. Liverpool with 37. All of those teams have 20 games played except for City, who have 19. West Ham in fifth with 35 points. Then you got Spurs, Everton, Chelsea. Arsenal, Villa, Southampton. Leeds in 12th. Wolves, Palace, Burnley. Newcastle, Brighton. And then in relegation, Sheffield have eight points now, but they're still bottom after 20 games played. West Brom with 11 points after 20 games played. Fulham with 13 points after 19 games played. Five points back from Brighton with a game in hand. It's going to get a little closer here. Newcastle's getting sucked into this. They got to make a move. They got to do something here. Um, Looking at the upcoming matches here, we have Everton versus Newcastle. So it's not looking good for Newcastle. Uh, Palace versus Wolves at 10 o'clock. City versus Sheffield at 10. And West Brom versus Fulham at 10. Then we have the Arsenal-Manchester United match at 12.30. That's the big one on Saturday. Then we have Southampton versus Aston Villa. And just real quick, Everton at 7.30, that's on NBCSN. Man City versus Sheffield is on NBCSN at 10 o'clock. Then Palace Wolves, West Brom Fulham are on Peacock. Arsenal versus United is on Big NBC, the main over-the-air network, at 12.30. And then Peacock for Southampton versus Aston Villa. Sunday, we have Chelsea versus Burnley at 7 a.m. Then we have Leicester versus Leeds at 9 a.m. West Ham versus Liverpool at 11.30. And Brighton versus Tottenham at 2.15. Those are all on Peacock on Sunday. Let's move on to some predictions here. Arsenal versus Manchester United. Who do you have, Logan? Oh, man. So I'm going to go with a draw on this one. Um, I think it'll be pretty boring. I'm going to go 1-1, and I'm going to say that they both are underwhelming. Uh, I just don't see where, you know, I think that this is one of those games you hype up and you hope it's a big game, but those tend to be letting us down this this year. So I'm going to go 1-1 draw. Uh, How about you, Matt? You know, I was thinking about this game. It's it's really hard for me to. Uh, I'm gonna agree with Logan, but I'm gonna go say two two. I'm gonna say there's gonna be some goals scored. I, I'm gonna draw, but I'm on. I'm not on mute, right? Okay, good. Um, <laughs> I thought for a second I didn't hit it. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go two two. I think there'll be some goals scored, but I still think it ends in a draw. All right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to say Arsenal 2-1 over Manchester United on Saturday at 12.30. So around 2.30, you can hit me up on Twitter and let me know that I was dead on. Uh, Sunday prediction. uh, You would think I would go West Ham-Liverpool. I'm actually going to go with a a main plot line here. Will Thomas Tuchel get his first win as Chelsea manager? Logan, what's your prediction for Chelsea Burnley? Yeah, this is where he gets it. Uh, I, I think, you know, Burnley's playing well, but I think this is actually, I, I think after a week, and they were playing with a, sol- a really small soccer ball, so I'm, I am convinced that this is some kind of weird tactic that Tuchel has brought over, um, and, and they're going to see the, the big ball looking like a beach ball as it heads into the goal. Um, but yeah, I think that I think Pulisic gets the start. I think Pulisic brings one in for his manager. I'm going to say Pulisic assist. I'm going to go Chelsea three one. Oh, same score line I have actually, but I have Burnley. I'm just kidding. No, I don't. I have Chelsea three one. Matt, who That's do you got here? <laughs> uh, I had three goals too. Um, 
My, I, I'm agreeing, though. He's getting his first points. Uh, well, first victory here. It's going to be 3-0. I actually think they dominate, and it, it's an impressive win. I hope so. I hope so. I could get us on the right start here. Um, that about wraps us up here. Let's do uh, one quick thing here, actually. I just want to look at... Um, Let's look at how it stands right now in the rest of the pyramid for the Premier League. We haven't done this this season uh, in England here. Norwich is in the first automatic promoted spot for uh, Are they really? for the championship. Yes, 53 points. They're six points up on Swansea, who's in second. And guess what? Both of those have Americans on their team now. Norwich has recalled Sebastian Soto from his loan at Telstar. And uh, he has his permit now due to one of the friendlies um, uh, that he played, I think, in November or December. Uh, Swansea now has Jordan Morris, and it looks like they're trying to get Paul Areola. Uh, and that is in the... Uh, they're in second with 47 points. Watford is in third with 47. Reading is in fourth with 47. Brentford in fifth with 45, but they have two games in hand of Watford and Reading and one game in hand of Norwich and Swansea. And then AFC Bournemouth in sixth place with 42 points. Uh, other teams of note here, Darby County is in 21st with manager Wayne Rooney. So just above relegation by two points. But Rotherham United has two games in hand of them as they sit in 22nd place with 23 points. Just two points back with two games in hand. Sheffield Wednesday in 23rd. And Wickham Wanderers in fourth, uh, 24th with 15 points. Uh, two-time Champions League winner Nottingham Forest is in 20th in the championship. Let's look at League One here as we have winning the league right now, Lincoln City with 48 points. And they also have a game in hand, two games in hand of some of these teams. Uh, Hull City is in second in 45th. Peterborough United in 43rd, uh, 43 points with in third place. Uh, Doncaster Rovers in fourth with 42 points. Portsmouth in fifth with 41 points, and Charlton Athletic in 6 with 40 points, and of course our favorite Sunderland Till I Die is in 7th with 39 points and 2 games in hand of Charlton Athletic. You gotta play better than that. We need a new Netflix season and they're not gonna get it. (laughs) In the relegation zone right now is Burton Albion in 24th with 16 points. 23rd is Wigan Athletic. That's right. FA Cup winners of 2013. I was say, that was the, that was the in, one I, I saw. I was like, dang, they're all the way down there. Is in 23rd with 21 points. And that would be going to League 2. That'd be very dangerous for Wigan. Swindon Town in 22nd with 21 points. And in 21st is AFC Wimbledon with 22 points. As Matt is watching, it looks like, sounds like Pokemon. <laughs> Star <or> Wars. <laughs> no, it's Star Wars. Wars. Is it? Yeah, it was a great, it was a great song to go with your weekend you know, falling out of the league. <laughs> uh, in League Two, we have Cambridge United in first, Forest Green Rovers in second, Morecambe in third with, uh, with 41 points. Cambridge has 42 at the top. And we'll, uh, Forest Green Rovers has 41 in second. Cheltenham Town, who almost beat Manchester City, is in fourth place with 40 points. Newport County is in fifth with 40 points. Carlisle United is in sixth with 39 points. And in the last playoff spot, Salford City uh, in seventh with 38 points. Let's take a look at where Harrogate sits, our, our favorite Harrogate Town. In 20th with 27 points, they're six points above the relegation zone. So keep it up, Harrogate. Keep it up. Got seven wins, seven draws. No, six draws and 11 losses. Uh, in relegation, there's only, there's only two spots here for Bolton relegation. Down in 19th. Yeah, Bolton has been close to going out and, uh, you know, going out of business. 
Um, in 24th, we have Southend United and 20 points. And in 23rd place, we have Grimsby Town with 21 points. And that is the Football League as it stands here over in England. Um, that about wraps us up here. Uh, we have tons of games this weekend. Like I said, Saturday and Sunday, there's no Monday games. So actually, when we record on Monday, we are in great shape to uh, not have to rush or anything after that recording. Um, you know, all those games will have already been played. So it feels pretty good. But real quick, uh, Logan and I are going to be doing a uh, episode for Stateside Soccer Show this weekend. It's going to be all about Beginner's Guide to MLS. Logan's asked me some questions that I will answer. Uh, we don't know when we're releasing that one, I guess, yet. But uh, keep an eye out for that. We'll be releasing that on this feed. And also now we have its own feed as well, just to help keep things simple if people are looking for it. Um, but that's it. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on the Twitter at Stoppage Show. You can follow us on Facebook.com slash Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Email us at stoppage show at gmail.com or Instagram us at stoppage time soccer show. Uh, if you want to find Stateside Soccer Show, it's on Twitter at Stateside Show, Instagram at Stateside Show, Facebook.com slash Stateside Show, or email us stateside show at gmail.com. Look at how that all just fits perfectly. I really wish I could have done that for the other one. Um, but, you know, make them all the same. Uh, but you can follow us on there. Uh, and I hope that everybody has a great weekend. Enjoy all these matches. And we'll catch you all Monday. Kane has stolen it to death. That's what he's there for. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show and listen to us recap the English Premier League from our perspective. We'll also be talking some Champions League and any other leagues that impact world soccer.